You're unstoppable. You're unstoppable. You're unstoppable. And like that song says, impossible things in your name will be done. And I just want to apologize this morning for the times that I live like you're not unstoppable. When I get defeated by things you're bigger than. When I feel like I'm in this life all on my own and it depends on my own strength and I gotta figure it out and I gotta make it happen and I apologize for the times that I forget. Oh, I forget that you're with me and I serve an unstoppable God. You are not intimidated by the things that intimidate me. You're not afraid of the things that cause fear in me. When I feel defeated, you're just getting going. And so, God, I'm sorry for the times where I don't tap into you and I don't press into you and I don't come to you and I don't rely on you and I don't trust in you because I feel like i got to do it all on my own. But I can be stopped. I can get down. I can feel defeated, overwhelmed by life. My guess is that I'm not the only one. So God, this morning, would you pick us up? Would you hold us in your hands? And would you remind us that you are bigger than anything we face? You have a strength that outlasts anything that comes against us. Uh, We come back to you this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You can go ahead and take a seat. Well, hey, my name is James. I'm the pastor here at Journey, and uh, I want to share something with you where if you don't know me, what I'm going to share with you is going to uh, help you know me instantly. And uh, for those of you who, who do know me, what I'm about to share with you right now is going to help you connect some dots. It's going to help you um, better understand who I am. Here it is. I am an only child. There it is right there. I'm an only child. Some of you, you're hearing that, you're seeing that, you're like, oh, I know exactly who he is, right? Others of you, like, again, the, the dots are being connected, you're like, oh, that makes sense now, right? I'm the only child. Where's all my only kids at? Make some noise. <laughs> Come on, are you for real? <laughs> you sound like middle children, anyway. Uh, no, but like, as an only child, um, there are certain characteristics and qualities that I have, and, and a lot of only kids have. And so uh, I did some research, and I want to share with you some characteristics and attributes of an only child. Uh, And so only kids, here's what the internet has to say about us. Characteristics of only children. Being extroverted, being introverted. So right there we get the best of both worlds, right? Being extroverted, being introverted. Independent personality. Confidence, leadership, higher sense of privacy, perfectionist qualities, desire to have high academic achievement, highly organized. Essentially, what this list says is that we are the most awesome people in the world, right? We are the best people in the world. And I get it. Some of you oldest kids are like, whatever. We're the most awesome people in the world because not only do we have all those characteristics, but we had to deal with our crazy siblings, so we're even better than you. And some of you who are middle children, you're like, wait, I'm awesome too. Can somebody please notice me? Just look at me, and if you saw me, you'd see how awesome I am. And then for those of you who are the youngest kids, you're like, who cares if you're awesome or not? We're the ones who are loved the most. We get away with anything, right? And I mean, and that's that's how it was for for my wife. Man, my wife uh, Irene, she was uh, the youngest. She is the youngest of seven siblings. 
Like her mom stayed pregnant for like 10 years straight. It's crazy. But she's the youngest of seven siblings. And, and, and the Partridge family had a band. My wife's family had a baseball team. And she played shortstop on it. It's a... Uh, so, but, but she was the youngest, and, and she could get away with anything. Uh, her parents loved her the most. Actually, there was this one time where her other uh, brothers and sisters got in trouble, and their dad took away their Nintendo, and uh, they got Irene in a room, and they said, okay, she was six years old at the time, they said, okay, you got to go to dad and get our Nintendo back. And they were coaching her, and they were telling her how to do it. Just go in there and look all innocent and say please. And so Irene made her way down the hallway, scared. She kept looking back at her brothers and sisters. They were egging her on. They were like, no, go, go, go. So she went up to their dad and asked for the Nintendo, and she got it. He gave them the Nintendo because she was loving the most. You know, I, I get it, man. Like, like as a parent now. We got two kids, Aiden, who's about to turn six in June, and Amaya, she's nine years old. Uh, man, we have some of the cutest kids in the world, and there's a time where if they really want something, they'll give us that puppy dog look, and uh, when they give us that look, man, it's so hard to say no to them, because cause I just want to give them stuff. I want to give them good gifts, and, and, and as their dad, I want to I make sure that I'm the kind of man that they can look up to and, and long to be like. See, see, as their dad, as their, as their father, I want to I love them, I want to guide them, I want to uh, instill confidence in them, uh, a sense of greatness in them. Uh, really, I want to make them like only children, even though uh, they have, they're not only children. But I want to I eradicate any insecurity that they have, any feeling of inadequacy that they have. I want to let them know that they are called by God, that they have a plan and a purpose for their life. I want to let them know that they are the head and not the tail, that they're leaders and not followers. And I want to love them and be compassionate with them and be patient with them and be present with them. Like, this is my desire for my kids. This is how I want to be when it comes to being a dad to my kids. And uh, I think I want to be this way because... When we had kids, it helped me better understand how God sees me. See, see, the scriptures say that God is our Heavenly Father. And I don't know what words come to mind when you hear the word Father or Dad. For, for some of you, when you when you hear that, that God is our Heavenly Father and the scriptures describe Him as that, you say, please, anything but that. Because when you think about Father, when you think about Dad, it, it conjures up uh, negative things for you. Maybe... Maybe you're like me, and, and when you think about dad, when you think about father, you think of abandonment. You think of somebody who wasn't around. Uh, maybe, maybe when you think about the word father and dad, the, the negative connotations that come to your mind is abusive or harsh, not patient, difficult. I don't know what it is you think of when you think of father, but if there's any negative connotations that come up for you, I just don't know I get it, but when we talk about God being our heavenly father, God is our heavenly father with all the good and none of that. God is loving and kind and patient and generous and compassionate. But God is our Heavenly Father in all the ways that maybe some of you never had a father. So maybe your dad fell short. He probably did. Because he's human. He's not perfect. He didn't get it right. But you have a Heavenly Father who loves you and cares for you and guides you and is perfect. 
And it's, it is from this foundation, this understanding that God is our Heavenly Father that I want to preach uh, from this title and I want to continue our series. We've been in this series called You Say Church, I Say. And uh, we're doing this series because I just believe that the church has an image problem. Like a lot of people, when they think about church, they think of uh, institutional, organized religion, politics. But, but today I want to preach from this title, You Say Church, I Say Family. You Say Church, I Say Family. Because the church is family. Yeah. The church is family. And it's not cold and callous like an organization or an institution. The church is family. And with that comes all the words that, that describe family. Uh, loving and warm and caring and compassionate and a little dysfunctional. Because there is no perfect church because there are no perfect people. You're part of it. Right? And so the church, at times, is going to be dysfunctional, but hopefully not too dysfunctional. Not as dysfunctional, maybe, as your family that you came from. Right? See, the church is family. The, the church is warm and loving and caring and compassionate. And yeah, there's some dysfunction in it because we're all people and we need opportunities to love one another, not get mad at one another and leave one another. No, family doesn't do that. Maybe yours did, but that's dysfunctional. Instead, we operate like family because we are family. And uh, I find it so fascinating uh, how the scriptures describe the church. The church is not like family. Sometimes people say, oh yeah, my church, I love my church because it's like family. No, the church is family. And what that means is that the church is made up of people who have said yes to Jesus. And they realize that they don't have it all together, that, that they're flawed, they're broken, they have failures and faults. And, and, and because of that, we follow Jesus and we've said yes to him. And if you're a Christian who said yes to Jesus, what that means is that you're adopted into God's family. And so what happens is the church is made up of people who are brothers and sisters. And so if you're a Christian and you're a guy, you're my brother in Christ. We're brothers. If you're a Christian and you're a girl, you're my sister in Christ. We're family. So the church isn't like a family. The church is family. And it's a really interesting family dynamic, though, that we have in the church because the church is made up exclusively of adopted kids. Like all of us are adopted kids in the family of God. God only has one biological son, Jesus, and you and I, when we enter into his family by believing that Jesus died for us on the cross and he rose again from the dead and we follow him and are baptized into him, we enter into his family becoming brothers and sisters of Jesus. If you're a Christian, Jesus is your brother. And we are your brothers and sisters. Here's what... Galatians chapter 4 verse 4 says, But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship and daughtership. And so if you're a Christian, if you've placed your faith in Jesus, again, believing that he died for you on the cross and that he rose again from the dead, and because of that, you said, I want to follow him, I want to give him my life and be baptized into him. When you do that, you enter into God's family as a son or a daughter. And I want to show you just how special adoption is. See, adoption is a little different than, than having a child biologically. When, when you have a child biologically, um, that's something that you choose to do. 
and sometimes it's a surprise, right? Um, sometimes you have a biological child and you're like, let's have a baby, and you do the thing, and then the thing comes out, right? Baby, right? So you choose to do that. Sometimes it's a surprise, you didn't choose it, you're like, I don't know how this happened. It's like we need to visit middle school again and teach you through, anyway. So, so we need to have the talk. But sometimes like, I have no idea how this happened. And, and so, we know, so it's a surprise sometimes. But with adoption, adoption is always a choice. Adoption is always a choice where parents look at a child and they say, we want you. We choose you. We want you to be in our family. And uh, it's unique from biological uh, childbearing and, and having a child that way too because when you have a child biologically, um, you get what you get. Right? Like, you can't really choose what kind of child you have. They just come out and you're stuck with them, and it's a good thing or it's a great thing. <laughs> so, so, you get what you get. You don't get to choose. But in adoption, a parent gets to look at a child and say, We want, we want that one. We want you. Like, you're chosen as an adopted child. And, and here's the truth God looked at each and every one of you. God looks at every person in this world. And he doesn't look at us as cute little cuddly babies and say, oh, this is so great, I want that one. No, God looks at you as a teenager, gross, B.O., stinking, dysfunctional teenager. God looks at you as a, an adult with all your faults, flaws, and failures, all your mess-ups, all your hang-ups, all your... Your, your conceitedness, your selfishness, all the ways that you've failed, all your misguidedness, all your excuses. God looks at you as a grown person and he sees all the stuff in the shadows. He sees all the stuff that you hide behind the curtain. He sees all the stuff, the shame and the regret and the guilt and the failure. God sees all of it and the amazing thing is he still looks at you and he says, I choose you. That's right. I want you. Not for who you could be, but for who you are right now. Not for who you should be, because none of us are as we should be. But for who you are right now. I see you, and I love you, and I choose you to be in my family. Romans 5.8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still messed up in our dysfunction, God chose us. Well, well, we were not going to get it right and be perfect and fix everything. God saw into your future and He saw your failures. You know, God expects more failure from you than you expect from yourself, and He still chooses you. I wonder, does that resonate with you this morning? Do you believe that this morning? Do you know that you know that you know that you're loved by God? Because if you don't know that, if you miss that, and you miss all of what Christianity is about, would you take a moment and just, I want to invite you to just close your eyes. Sorry, I won't steal your wallet. Just go ahead and close your eyes. <laughs> and in faith, whatever amount of faith that is for you, just would you see the face of God in front of you? As you see God's face, how does he look at you? 
If he looks at you with judgment, condemnation, what's wrong with you, I can't believe you, you're not seeing the right God. But would you see God, your Heavenly Father, who expects more failure from you than you expect from yourself? Would you see God before you? The God who chose you and he proved it to you by allowing his one and only son to die on a cross for you. That's the evidence that he chose you. Would you see God in front of you? What does his face look like to you? Is it one of love and compassion and caring and kindness, knowing even what you did last night, knowing even what you did this past week, knowing all the skeletons in your closet, all the things that you've shoved in the shadows, do you see God looking back at you with a face of love and kindness and compassion, that of your loving Heavenly Father? <clears throat> see, you're loved and accepted just as you are. Not once you get your act together, not once you fix your flaws, but do you see God in front of you choosing you to be in his family? Do you understand that? God has said yes to you. And with your eyes so closed, I want to invite you to listen to these words that God the Father spoke about his son Jesus before he began his public ministry, before Jesus did anything of note, before Jesus accomplished anything. God said, this is my dearly loved child who brings me great joy. Would you hear those words in faith, not from me, but from God speaking directly to you about you, and would you just receive these words? You are my dearly loved child, and I'm well pleased with you. You're my dearly loved child, and I'm well pleased with you. You're my dearly loved child, and I am well pleased with you. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to perform. You are my dearly loved child. I'm in love with you. You're everything to me. And I'm pleased with you. I'm so pleased with you. See, when you fully grasp this, the idea that God loves you. He calls you by name. You're his dearly loved child and he is pleased with you. It changes everything. It changes everything. You can open your eyes. When you know that you're loved, when you know that your identity is found in Jesus and he's pleased with you, you don't have to go back to that abusive guy. You don't have to lower your standard in your relationship because you're single and if you have too high standards, nobody will really love you because you're already loved. Do you understand that? When you know that you're loved, you're accepted and embraced. You don't have to find your identity in performing, making the next promotion. I mean, it's great if you do, but that's not who you are. When you know that you're loved, you don't have to prove anything to anybody. 
when you know that you're accepted and embraced and loved by God, man, that it changes everything. You don't need to go back to that website or those sites to try and find satisfaction because you're loved. You're loved. You don't have to starve yourself or make yourself throw up to look a certain way because you're loved. Do you understand that? You don't have to feel like a failure anymore. You don't have to feel like you don't have it all together. You're loved. You're loved. You're accepted. You're embraced. You have a Heavenly Father who calls you by name. And when you get that, ah, it changes everything. I don't even need to go on. But I will because i got more to say. <laughs> but it changes everything. When Galatians 4.4... But when you, the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. God wanted you. And if you're a Christian, you've been adopted into his family. Now listen, being adopted is a great and amazing thing. But here's what we need to understand. Before the moment of adoption into God's family, it means that there was a point where we weren't part of the family. Maybe some of you are there, here, and now. And when it comes to your relationship with God, you're like, oh, I'm kind of in, kind of out. There's no in or out. It's either kind of in or It's either you're in or you're out. It's either you've been adopted or you haven't. See, before a child is adopted, they're orphaned. They don't belong. They're not part of the family. But once they're adopted... Ah, uh, it's this moment where parents say, you, we want you, we choose you. Welcome to the family. And when you're adopted, you don't have to earn your spot in the family. You're in. You know, I remember when I was in high school, uh, I, was, I was new to Christianity, and I was, I was passionate, I was fired up. And uh, I remember I was talking with a high school teacher of mine, and uh, she, was, she was a Christian, she was part of a church, and she was strong in her faith. And I said, ah, yeah, I mean, we're all, we're all children of God. And she looked at me, serious as ever, and said, no, we're not. We're not all children of God. And, and it took me back a little bit. I was like, well, what do you mean? And I knew what I was saying, and she explained what she was saying. Here's what I was saying. That we're made in the image of God. And so we bear God's likeness. So whether you believe in God or not, you're made in the image of God. You're an image bearer of God. You bear his likeness. But what she was saying is that doesn't make you part of the family. What makes you part of the family is when you decide to enter into the family and follow him. See, in adoption, there's two choices that are made. One is made by the parent or parents who they look at a child and they say, we want you. We choose you. And God has already done that. He's looked at you and he says, I choose you and I'll show you by allowing my son to die on the cross so that you can be forgiven and have life. I choose you. The choice has already been made on his part. The second choice is by the child or the state on behalf of the child. Where the child says, yes, I want to be a part of this family. Or the state says, yes, we want this child to be a part of the family. There's a second choice that has to be made and it has to come from the child and that's you. God has already looked at you and he says, I want you in the family. The question is, have you said, I want to be in the family. And I want to follow you. And be adopted into your family. I don't know if you've ever made that 
decision today, but I want to give you a chance right now to say yes to Jesus. Today we have a baptism service. It's from 6 to 7 p.m. at Kimso Christian Church. Uh, we're going to have, uh, I sent an email out this week just giving the details of that and the, and the address and, and all that stuff. Um, but uh, if you weren't here last week or we don't have your information, you didn't get that email, but you can check our social media page today and you'll be able to find all that information, uh, when, where, all that stuff. Man, we'd love for you to show up. My hope is that that place is just as packed as, as right now because these baptism services, like this is why we do what we do. This is the win for us. Because God's lost kids are coming home. And we want to celebrate that and rejoice in that. And I want to give you a chance today to join those four other people who are getting baptized. Maybe you showed up to church today because somebody invited you and you thought, okay, fine, I'll come. I'll, I'll check it out. And you weren't planning on giving your life to Jesus, but you know for the past several months or even the past several years, even the past several weeks, God has been tugging at your heart. He's pulling you and he's drawing you here today. And the reason is so that you can crash into him and make a decision to say yes to him. And so I want to invite you to do that right now. We have a connect form uh, through this QR code. And uh, I want to invite you to go ahead and scan uh, this QR code, fill that out. Also, if you're here for the first time, let us know you're here for the first time, and we just want to celebrate that. Um, but on this form, there's a box that says, I want to accept Christ and be baptized. If you're ready to make that decision, man, we can add you to the people who are getting baptized tonight. Don't worry, we're, we're going to film it. We're going to take photos of it. So even if your loved ones can't be there, you can share that with them. But I want to take away any excuses that you may have, and I want to invite you not to wait any longer to be adopted into the family of God, because right now, if you have not made the decision to say yes to Jesus, to be baptized into him and to follow him, you're an orphan. You're outside. And it's time to come be part of the family. So tonight is that baptism service. Again, if you need to make that decision, scan that QR code, let us know, and we want to get you ready. Here's a Galatians 3.26 says, So in Christ, you're all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. If you haven't been baptized into Christ, you're naked. There's neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female. For all of you are one in Christ Jesus. If, if you belong to Christ, then you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Galatians 3.26, So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There's this if here. If you're in Christ, how do you know if you're in Christ? How do you know if you're in the family or not in the family? You make the decision by saying, Jesus, I want to follow you. I believe in you. And I'm baptized into you. And this isn't a decision that your parents can make for you. And so if you were baptized as a baby, that's great and that's amazing. But that wasn't your choice. That was their choice. If you believe that Jesus rose from, you from the grave and you're ready to follow him, and you haven't made that decision, today's the day to make that decision, to join the family, to be in. See, God has freely chosen each and every one of us. He's chosen everybody in the world to be a part of this family as adopted sons and daughters, but it's up to us to choose him and to say yes to him. And so my hope is that if you haven't made that decision, you'll make that decision today. Let's see if we can add to the number of people getting baptized today.
and already you're fighting it. Hey, even if you didn't fill that out yet, as you leave today, you can talk to one of our guide team members and you can say, you know, I didn't fill that out, I should have, I want to get baptized, and we'd love to talk to you about that, it's not too late. Well, I got plans tonight, cancel them. These are your plans. This is the greatest thing you can give your life to. You know, there are four major changes that take place when somebody is adopted into a family. There's a change of family, a change of name, a change of home, and a change of responsibilities. I just want to go over each of these so that you can see once you make the decision to accept Christ. And if you have said yes to Jesus, if you are following Him as a Christian, these four changes have happened. And I want to invite you to examine your life and see, are you living in these changes? So first there's a change of family. So you have a family here on earth, and all of our families look different, right? We have nuclear families, single-parent families, step-families, extended families, grandparent families, families with no kids, families with only kids, multiple kids, a village of kids, some of you. We have loving families, toxic families, dysfunctional families, all sorts of different earthly families. And when we make the choice to be adopted by God, we don't leave our earthly family, but we enter into a new family. We now belong to the family of God. And this is what Jesus explains to his disciples uh, when they asked about following him and leaving everything behind. Here's what he said, Mark 10, 29. Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mothers or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields, along with persecutions, and the age to come, eternal life. Here's what Jesus is saying. When you decide to follow him and say yes to him, you enter into his family. And whatever it is that you leave behind, or whatever, you gain that now being part of God's family here and now. And so you gain homes and brothers and sisters and mothers and children because the church is family. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. I want you to note, though, that it doesn't say fathers because we only have one heavenly father. So we gain all these things. When you say yes to Jesus and you're part of the church, all of a sudden your family is extended and you gain all of this. And when it says that you gain homes and things like that, here's what it means. It's because we're family, we're there for one another. It's because we're family, you got a place to stay if you need it. That's what it means to be the church. Not to go someplace on a Sunday morning. Well, I'm not, I don't go to church. Great, you can't go to something you are. We are the church. And so as the church, as family, it's like we're all in this together. And so you need something, and we got it, and we want to help. You need something, or somebody needs something, you got it, you help. We're family now, because that's what you do with family. Like I said, if you don't let your broke cousin borrow your car, because he's going to wreck it. So <laughs> and the early church got it. The early church understood this perfectly. Acts 4.32. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. Why? Because they understood that you say church, I say family. That's just how we live. That's who we are. That's what we do. There's a name change. There's a change of name. 
This change of name is, is also a change of identity. When, when you're adopted into a family, your identity changes. How you see yourself changes. You, so your name is your identity. It's who you are. And when we make the choice to say yes to God, we enter into his family and our identity shifts. And I want to read these, these verses out of order to, to show you what I mean. 1 Peter 2.10 Once you are not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. See, this was your state before you accepted the invitation to enter into Jesus, but now that you've entered the invitation to enter into God's family, 1 Peter 2.9 But you are a chosen people a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And so once you enter into God's family, you receive a new name, chosen. Once you enter into God's family, you receive a new name, royal. You receive a new name, holy. You receive a new name, light. And so you used to be cut off, you used to be separated, you used to be lost, but now you're found, now you're redeemed, now you're a son, now you're a daughter. You have a new name and a new identity. The problem is, some of us have been given a new identity, becoming Christians, but we live in our old self. It's time to live in the person God has called you to be. You got a new identity. Ah. What would your marriage look like if you started living the identity God called you to? Probably be a lot more enjoyable, huh? How'd your parenting change if you began to live in the identity God called you to be? Probably be a lot better. How'd your work life be? How'd your personal life be if you really understood? Ah, I got a new identity. And you started to live in it. You got a name change. Because you're part of the family now. There's also a change in home. In the next verse, First uh, Peter, Peter explains how we should live because we have this new identity of sons and daughters. He says this, friends, this world is not your home, so don't make yourselves cozy in it. Don't indulge your ego at the expense of your soul. And Jesus explained it this way, I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. And my Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, I would have told you that I am going there. I would not have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you may also be where I am. See, when we choose to be adopted by God, we experience a change at home. And so I'm now part of God's family, a Christian. I'm now a citizen of heaven. And so what that means is that everything changes. I'm not preoccupied and caught up with and concerned by the things of this world anymore. And so I don't get so bent out of shape by politics or topics of this world because my citizenship is somewhere else. I don't have to get on Facebook and fight with people because my citizenship is somewhere else. I don't have to worry about what happened at the Oscars because my citizenship is somewhere else. I don't have to worry about who's in office because my citizenship is somewhere else. Now, I care about those things, but they're not going to run my life and ruin my life because I'm a citizen 
in God's kingdom. And as a citizen in God's kingdom, I'm trying to live a kingdom life. I'm not a citizen in this world, first and foremost, so I'm not trying to live a world life. I'm trying to live a kingdom life. It shapes how I live. It shapes what I care about. And you experience this growing up. When you grow up in a home, there's just certain ways that you act and live. When you grow up living in God's family, there's certain ways that we act and live. Again, you experience it growing up. You say, yeah, but Johnny's mom lets Johnny have candy for dinner. And your mom said, I'm not Johnny's mom. Because we do things differently in this house. When you're a Christian and you're adopted into God's family, he's called you to live differently because you got a new identity. Are you living up to your identity? Because you got a new home. And then finally, there's a change of responsibility. You got a new family. You got a new name. You got a new home. And with all that comes new responsibilities. See, Jesus makes it possible for us to be adopted into the family of God through his death and resurrection. And I want you to see the new responsibility that comes with it. 2 Corinthians 5.14 For Christ's love compels us because we're convinced that one died for all. Therefore all died. And he died for all. That those who live, here it is, should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised again. Our new responsibility as sons and daughters of God is to live our lives not for ourselves but for him. Not building my kingdom, but his kingdom. And so we say, God, as your son, as your daughter, I want to live for you. I want to please you. I want to be more compassionate. I want to be more loving. I want to be quicker to listen, slower to speak, slow to become angry. I want to be first to forgive. I want to believe the best. I want to recklessly run with you. I want to give it my all. I want to be authentic because real is all I know. I want to be generous. I want to be grateful. I want to have joy. I want to make a difference. That's my new responsibility. To sit at the feet of my brother Jesus and learn from him and become like him. So when you enter into the family of God, you bear the name of God. And with that comes new responsibilities to be a representative for God. I wonder if your mom ever told you, you better not embarrass me when we go up in this store. What she's saying is you represent me when we go up in this store. You better act like you got some home training. <laughs> In the same way God says, don't, don't, don't bear my name in vain. You're carrying my name. Set a good example. So when people look at your life, they say, I want to believe in the God that you believe in. Doesn't mean you gotta be perfect. Part of being a Christian is saying, I don't have it all together, that's why I need Jesus. But you got new responsibilities to be a representative for God. To be a light in a dark world. So when you say church, I say family. And Paul, an early Christian leader in the church, said family too. Here's how he instructed his protege, Timothy, to think about it. 1 Timothy 5, 1, don't rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he were your father. Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters with absolute purity. Timothy took over this church that Paul started in the, the church of Ephesus. And then Paul says, I want to pass this on. As you look at the people who are part of the family of God, treat them like family because they are your family. And it's because we're family that we forgive one another. You uh, came here 
somehow, maybe you're part of another church, you had issues, you didn't like somebody, whatever, so you left. I'm glad you're here, I want you to keep coming here, but can you go back to that person and apologize? Can you let your ego go and be humble? and ask for forgiveness. I just say that because if you don't learn that now, one day you're not going to like me or somebody here and you're just going to leave and I don't want that. So we got to learn that now. It's because we're family, we forgive one another. It's because when we're family, we also don't gossip about one another. It's because of this that we don't backstab and backbite. It's because we're family that we don't hate and slander and ghost on people. Because you don't do that to family. You love family. And if you do do that, that's dysfunctional. We don't want to be dysfunctional. Instead, because we're family, we love through the hard times. We rally together when someone's dealing with something difficult. Because we're family, we celebrate when things are good. We befriend the lonely. We comfort the hurting and their pain. We make meals for people who just had babies or miscarriages or surgery. We help with people when they need to pack a truck and move. We call in to check on one another. We give encouragement when someone feels defeated. This is what the church is. It's a family, but it only becomes that when we become that. So, this is Journey Church. We're family. You want your family to be warm, welcoming, engaging? You be warm, welcoming, and engaging. Because we are only going to be what you are. And I want to be that kind of family. A family of love and compassion and kindness. A family that serves one another and gives grace to one another. So it starts with us. It starts with you. So, brothers and sisters, let's together be the family of God. Because there's a lost, hurting world with kids who need to be adopted. Kids who are orphans right now. Kids who don't belong. And you work with them. They're in your family. They're your friends. And they need to come find hope. So will you invite them next week? Will you invite them next week? Or will you just leave them be to continue to wander and figure it out on their own? What kind of family would we be if we did that? Would you pray with me? God, I want to thank you so much for your grace and your love and your mercy. Man, thank you that you looked at us and you chose us and you said yes to us. Oh, and I thank you that so many of us have said yes to you and if somebody's here today and they haven't said yes to you, I pray they make that decision. I pray tonight they enter into your family as they're immersed in this water and they come up brand new. God, some of us need help living in our identity. Because we've been living a life below what you've called us to. And we, ah, uh, you have so much more in store for us. So I pray you give us the strength to discover the more we were made for. Yeah. Some of us have been putting up with some things we need to stop putting up with. Pray we set some standards and today's the day that we change.
Ah, so many of us know people who are lost, orphaned, trying to figure out life on their own. And we repent. We are sorry for not saying something sooner to them. But not anymore. We can't just leave them out there. We've got to introduce them to their Heavenly Father so they can know the love and the joy and the grace that you gave to us. So God, give us the strength to do that this week. Give us the courage to do that this week. Give us the confidence to do that this week. Because we're not just a church. Uh, uh, we're family. In Jesus' name, amen. Here's a reminder of the truth that God shows you. We're going to take communion right now. And in your chairs are some cups, and in those cups are some juice that represents Jesus' body, or his blood that was shed for us, and there's a cracker that represents his body that was broken for us. I want to invite you, just as a reminder of the truth that God shows you, and he invited you, he invited you and his family to go ahead and take that if you'd like, remembering the sacrifice Jesus made for you. We do this every single week, not as a ritual, but as a reminder, because I don't know about you, but I need to be reminded on a weekly basis, on a daily basis, that God loves me, He calls me by name, and He has something greater in store for me, and I want to live that. God, as we remember your sacrifice, we thank you for the way you loved us and you chose us. The way you call us by name. Let us live in that reality this week uh, with the crucifixion and resurrection just strengthening, strengthening us, empowering us, moving us forward to live in all that you've called us to be. In Jesus' name. Amen.